0: Hi, all Thanks for joining me on Nexamplify, a podcast aimed at amplifying the voices of fellow Nexampers by digging into their roles, contributions, and what makes them shine. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Megan Abarca, associate on the Project Finance team. Some of my favorite parts of our conversation include Megan's education and career journey leading her to Nexamp and the inspiration she derives from her family's history and parents. Please visit the show notes for more information on some of the terms we use and for other resources mentioned during our conversation. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thanks for talking with me today, Megan. Would you mind introducing yourself, giving us your title, telling us about your role here at NXAMP?
1: Yes. Thanks, Caitlin, for having me. Um, My name is Megan Abarca. I'm currently an associate on the product finance team. And I focus primarily on incoming business development workflow and NTPs. And the product finance team, essentially what we do is we value individual projects at, at their different development stages from like, oh, we're entering a new market, what kind of lease can this project afford to this product has been de-risked and we need to prepare it for NTP approvals. Um, so that's really what the product finance is doing. Tell me the different teams you work with. Yeah, I work with, so we work with a ton of different teams. Um, we work with the legal team, which you know um, yeah. very well. Uh, we work with the CED team um, and other teams like the community solar team, the marketing team. And we're essentially like aggregating a ton of different data points from all these other teams and pulling them together for projects that are at the NTP stage.
0: Okay. and. How many people are on the project finance team?
1: Oh, there are about 10. Okay. So we've grown significantly um, since I started a little over two and a half years ago. When I was when I was first starting, we're about a team of three or four.
0: Wow. And I, and I noticed, I, I obviously looked at your LinkedIn before having this conversation, but you had started at a different role capital markets first and then switched over. How did that all come about? Yes.
1: So when I was going through the hiring stage, uh, the capital markets team wasn't split up between product finance and capital markets. So my my actual title was the, like a capital markets analyst. Um, but at that point, the team was going through a reorg and you know I was just given a, an updated title about six months in, although I did start with more of the product finance lens.
0: Something I think that newer people to Nextamp might be kind of curious about, and it's not something I've touched on or asked people about before, but when you changed roles, which I think you've done technically three times since joining Nextamp, right? Did you have to go through greenhouse or were these just natural, like you report to Kyle? Is it Kyle?
1: I I report to Daniel Weber. He's the director of the product finance team, but he does report to Kyle.
0: And so did you have to go through an application process or was it just, we've been working with Megan, we want her to take on this role, promotional type thing?
1: It was like a promotional type thing where I didn't have to do anything via greenhouse or resubmit my resume. Um, Although I did have to work on, when I did get promoted to the associate role, Mm -hmm. I did have to work um, together with Dennis, who was my manager at that time, to sort of form a associate level job description.
0: That's great. I think that we are growing so much, as you know. Um, But something I'm always curious about is some of this internal movement and how if people are interested in exploring, you know, other teams or other areas, I don't even know how many people know about the greenhouse process. So I feel like that's something that, you know, maybe people can, next time they have a presentation or are doing something, can talk a little bit more about. So, but yeah, it was very interested to see that your role had changed a few times. And you said you'd been here three years?
1: I'm hitting my third year in November, so a little over two and a half years. So time has really flown.
0: (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Um, One of the things I wanted to ask you about, because I think this is true of the legal team, and you kind of alluded to this in your first answer, but we have this sort of unique position in the company where we do touch all sorts of teams. And I think when that is the case you end up being able to identify areas where it's like, oh, team A isn't talking at all to team B, but they'd be really, it'd benefit both teams if they got in a room together and were able to hash some of this stuff out. So my question for you is, one, do you you notice that on your team? And then two, what are the pros and cons of that? Or even, do you have any idea how maybe we might get better at this sort of cross-team communication?
1: No, for sure. I totally agree that the product finance team is also in a really unique position where we sort of sit in a weird spot um, where we can touch a lot of teams, like you said. And, you know, we definitely are continuously working on trying to find ways of improvement. And, you know, most recently have noticed that there are some teams that don't necessarily talk to each other and so we've tried to we are trying to create and facilitate a space for different teams that we interact with and that do impact the NTP workflow to communicate for them to be able to communicate to each other and it's just like you know the more communication that happens the more aware every team is and we can sort of come to us you know a conclusion that fits everyone's needs yeah so it's definitely something that we're continuously work on working on and you know not only maybe on the NTP process but we're also you know Ned and I have been working with Greg and Susie and others on um, the did team to you know find ways that we can better try to create like a central source of truth for some of these inputs that do drive yeah. like our financial models. So that's the the database product that Greg has really been driving. And so we're also working with him um pretty closely to find a better way to get all these inputs and not and not only for the MTP process, but also for when capital markets grabs our project level models and then drops yep. them into portfolios. That's also a place that we've seen that there can can be better ways to do things. And so we're, you know, continuously working on on a lot of different initiatives.
0: Yeah, I, I really feel like I've just come this year to learn how much your team is really in this problem-solving role and problem-solving position. And I said that about you, too, um, that I feel like you just have that mindset. And I, do you think that's something that you've always sort of been that way all through your education and your career? Or is this something new that Nextamp sort of brings out in you?
1: Yeah. No. I I would say that I really enjoy problem solving and critically critical think critically thinking. And you know, I think that Nextamps like NTP and post-NTP process are things that many teams are trying to improve internally. It's not just like the product finance team trying to improve. I really do see a lot of initiatives across the company. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's maybe an internal drive for my point, but it's also that, you know, I've been here for a couple of years. Um, there are some pain points that I want to help alleviate some of those pain points. And, um, and yeah, I think that because I do like problem solving and critically thinking, it sort of comes, not naturally, but at least I'm definitely one of those people that likes to ask questions and, um, you know, questions a lot. Yeah. So I think that that sort of helps with this whole process of, um, you know, trying to make the NTP process more efficient.
0: Yeah. And for people who are listening that are on teams that have nothing to do with NTP, can you just explain a little bit about what it means for a project to get to and go to NTP and what it means for next sample?
1: Sure. Um, So NTP stands for notice to proceed. And it's essentially the way that I would define it to maybe someone who isn't as familiar with it. It's just a project. If you take an individual project, it's gone through its development stage. It's has the required permits, you know, easements. The design is sort of finalized. We know how much it's going to cost to sort of construct. And now since the project is sort of finalized with its development stage, it now ideally should be getting ready for construction and then for it to be turned on post-construction. So really what I'm working on Like I mentioned earlier, is those really early stage projects, but a lot of what our priorities are focused on are projects that are at that NTP stage. And so really when a project's at that stage, since we have to get, we essentially have to get approval for the project to be able to start construction.
0: And then when a project is approved and you have officially NTP'd a project, those megawatts, depending on how big the project is, they count towards our year-end goals. I can't the thing about it is before I got involved in the process, I really can't overstate how much yeah. it shows our growth in just such For a sure. short amount of time. So I think sometimes that bigger picture can be hard when you're in the nitty gritty, especially for our developers and our channel teams. They're so in the details of what these projects require and how to get there that it's it's impressive that it makes such a massive impact on the company and our growth. It, sh- it shows our growth every year. For sure. I want I wanted to take a step back and speak not so specifically about Nexamp, but I wanted to ask you about your experience before coming to Nexamp a few years ago and also in your experience going to Wellesley, which was, an, as I understand it, it's an all-girls school and just how the dynamics are different between going to an all-girls college and then coming into the energy and finance industries?
1: For sure. It's definitely. So after I graduated from Walsley, I went. I actually moved to Denver and I worked for E trade, mostly in the back end, where I was working on the transfer of assets team, um, and really trying to improve and make our processes more efficient. And so I'd say that maybe that sort of connects me to why, and sort of you know, why I'm, I'm interested in trying to make our internal Nextamp processes more, more efficient. Okay. Um, but I, I would say too that, um, Wellesley was definitely an interesting experience and, um, I really appreciate that I was able to have and be in a learning environment that's tailored for women. Okay. Um, that was, you know, it was a, a place for a place that I was able to like grow in as a woman. And, you know, I think if I, you know, take a step back and I compare my time at Wellesley versus maybe now at Nextamp where yes, you know, I'd say a majority of my calls are more there are a lot more men that there are women. It's definitely been yeah. a not an adjustment, but it's just a you know, oh I, I think what I think is like how can I this is wh- what the situation is now, but how can I try and advocate for there to be more space for women? Yeah. And so I know my team has grown a lot. There I was the only like woman on the team since I, when I started. And I've been able to be involved in about six hiring spots for my team since mm-hmm. I started and we've been able to hire two more women. So now our team has three, including me. Uh, So I think that that's also been, it's not something that's like my primary focus, but when we do have a spot open, I, I make sure to, you know, advocate for a a more diverse candidate. If that makes sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, completely. And when you were going to look at schools, were you like, I want to go to an all female or was it just like, I like Wellesley, it's great school. I'm just going to go here.
1: No, I would say that I sort of, in the same way that I sort of happened upon, I would say, Nextamp. I feel like I also happened upon Wellesley in that I, when I was applying for colleges, I was applying through QuestBridge, which was like a program geared towards like low-income students. Okay, and I became a semifinalist, and if you were a finalist, you essentially got like a full ride scholar scholarship to um, that school. And I wasn't, I I didn't become a finals, like I didn't win, but I was able to still connect with the different schools that I had applied to via QuestBridge. And Wellesley was one of them. And they essentially paid for me to do a a visit, an on-campus visit, actually when Hillary had just like announced her her goal to run for president. Um, And I think because I was able to visit and they gave me a lot of financial aid. Yeah, I, I essentially decided to attend. And I've never really, I don't really think I missed like men being on campus or not on campus. Um, you know, I think it was just a great space for me to learn and for me to be able to gain the skills and the perspective that I needed or yeah. I guess when I went into the the, the real world.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, I had said this to you in my email, but I see that you have what I would guess your poli-sci background. I was like, oh, she was definitely thinking about law school. Um, So I guess to, a couple of questions to that. So yeah. you were a poli-sci major. Were you also another, were you double major?
1: Yes, I double majored in economics and political science. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's what I thought. Okay, so I'm curious about two things. One, was there was the economics program at Wellesley big? Are there a lot of women that are going into economics? Um, I would say it's one of
1: the most competitive majors uh, at Wellesley. And wow. I think that comes from, like, you know, I feel this as a woman and a person of color in just the, I guess, in the professional world. Um, but how can we like market ourselves in, in a way that is um, like interesting or not interesting? But, you know, how can we market ourselves in a way that, you know, companies want us, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense? Yeah. And it's not that, you know, we didn't necessarily have the interest in econ, um, but I would say that it's, you know, whilst they didn't have an actual finance. Okay. Um degree. Um and so I'll speak for myself. Um, but I first started my first econ courses my first semester at Wellesley and I really enjoyed it. But then I think as I continued, um, I was like, you know, this is really interesting, but also I think I'll be able to gain the skills and the perspective. Um to be able to maybe go into finance if that's what I want, yeah, you know, I'll have that quantitative, those quantitative skills to be able, or at least the perspective um, to be able to, you know, provide value to any team that I that I'm in in the future, or at least be able to have the like skill set to be able to learn really quickly if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yes, I guess Wellesley econ. It I'd say it is big. I think that was the first question that you asked. It's a pretty big major and pretty popular. And I would say yes, because we don't have like a strict finance major, but yeah. it was a way for, you know, people to sort of get their foot in the door and then be able to prove maybe why they're interested in, in you know, more of the quantitative jobs for yeah. when they were post Wellesley.
0: There's this like funny stereotype, or not funny, but I think a very real stereotype about, and I say this all the time, about lawyers for one, and and maybe it's more general even in women, in that I always say, oh, I went to law school because I hated math. And I was actually (laughs) just listening to Katie Kirk's memoir, and she talks about being in love with words, and that's how she got into journalism. But there's definitely, or was, this idea that, oh, women, math, like that's not, we don't mix numbers, whatever. So I'm glad to hear, really, that there are these institutions like Wellesley and women like you that are going into the finance fields because I just think women are so underrepresented in those areas. We can do math. I mean, I can't do math, but (laughs) I know there are plenty of women that can So for sure. (laughs) So what made you because I was noticing your internships at the International Labor Rights Forum. um, And I think you did uh, research in MIT. Is that right as well?
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: Yeah. So what made you go that route instead of law school? Because you said you considered it in your response.
1: Um, So I, I think my entire as I was growing up, I always thought I would be an attorney. And then Uh, It wasn't until I was at Wellesley and taking these econ degrees and I was realizing how I really, you know, liked the connections that I was able to make through what I was learning in my econ classes that I was really starting to question whether law school was for me. And then I did a a number of different informational interviews with some attorneys and even some that weren't practicing like law at that time, but had gone through law school Mm-hmm. And I, uh, a lot of the feedback that I was getting was like, if you're questioning it, even at all, I would say don't go now. And so I sort of decided not to apply or, you know, then attend law school as I figured it out. And it's been four years now since I graduated from Walsley. Yeah. And I think I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm not going to say like, no, 100% to a law school stint, maybe, but at least not right now.
0: (laughs) I think that's fair. I I think it's really good advice, too, because I went right after I didn't have any professional experience before going to law school, and I, you know, went to Suffolk where they have this, Mm -hmm. like, huge night program where people are already working full time and then going at night, and I just think that some of those people had much better direction than I did. You know, they had figured out... These are the things I like or don't like. This is what I'm interested in. And they were able to sort of hone their law school experience based on that. Um, So I don't know if I would give the advice of like, oh, definitely don't go if you're questioning it. But there is value in exploring what is important to you and what you care about and how you might use a law degree along with those things. So
1: For sure. Yep. They said they definitely advised me to get one to two years of experience and then think about it at that point. And then, you know, if I did ultimately make the decision, then it sounded like it would be a, the the right decision for me. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, people are like, oh, if you don't go right after school, you won't go. But it's like, well, maybe if that's how you feel about it, you sh- maybe shouldn't be going anyway. <laughs> so fair. yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about those internships and what you did at the International Labor Rights Forum. I was looking at it looked so interesting and also MIT research.
1: Yeah, I um so right after my junior or during my junior year of college, Wellesley had this like Wellesley and Washington program that essentially allowed us to live in DC for the summer and do an like an unpaid internship and they would give us a stipend and a place to stay. And so that's really what drew me to the DC area, but I like I said, I was interested in potentially going to law school. And I think my entire life, I've really wanted my work to be connected to the community. I haven't, you know, I haven't necessarily figured out what that means for the long term. But I, yeah. I think, you know, at least for what I'm doing now and what I've been doing, you know, I I want sort of that connection. And so that led me to the International Labor Rights Forum. And really what I did there was I was able to experience like a a campaign that they were working on um, to fight for labor rights in like Central America, like at a melon farm
0: okay. and really
1: understand like what that process looked like. But I also took on a small project during the internship where they really wanted to understand like where they were getting most of their um, like fundraising. And in, in in a way so that they could then like focus their efforts in the future, mm-hmm. uh, whether that was like through mail or through emails or through like person to person events. Mm-hmm. And I would say that was definitely a learning experience for me, given that they hadn't really been online for that long. And so a lot of what I spent doing was like cleaning the data and trying to figure out ways the best ways to analyze it so yeah. I would say that my internship there was like a good at learning experience and I think I through that I learned sort of what I didn't want in a in a like a future job yeah uh, which I think was very was very important for me not that I would that there's anything wrong with the nonprofit, but I think I I realized that I that perhaps at that point or when I was graduating from Lane, nonprofits weren't for me yeah. at that time, or at least yeah. really small nonprofits that didn't have a lot of resources and were really yeah. like resource constrained. And yeah.
0: I am very interested in Nextamp becoming a place where we can host more. Well, I see how successful our Sunrise program and some of our internship initiatives yeah. are, and I would love to expand that into more areas of the business, because I really think they're such valuable one, they benefit the people that the interns are working for, but also like you said, they give the in person interning a better idea of, oh, no, this is what I like professionally, or this is not what I want to look for when I leave. And there's just so few opportunities when you're coming up in education to figure for that sure. stuff out. Um so this goes, you've kind of talked a little bit about this in your past couple answers, um, how you want your work to be somewhat community-based and how you're not sure maybe what your next steps would be or if law school is ever in your future. And I had said to you, I don't really believe in a five or 10-year plan just because I think life comes at you and and sure. you take what opportunities you can get or or, you know, things change rapidly. But what do you see as some of your career goals that you're actively working towards or that you'd like to explore both from a next perspective and then at a higher level.
1: Yeah. Um, like I said, I think there's like so much to continue to learn within my team. And there's so many processes that I, you know, I think would be valuable to continue to look at and sort of poke at. So I do, I'm excited to continue to do that um, internally at Nextamp. And then I do see myself going back to school and getting like a higher level educate like education. Uh, I don't necessarily know currently what that would look like, but I do feel like that's in my like five year plan. Cool. And then 10 years from now, I don't really know.
0: Yeah. Um, I, don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I'll be in 10 years either. So exactly, <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely
1: feel like life is Life is short and I want to be able to like plan at, at, to the extent that I can, um, you know, what what is important to me, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I feel like you've done so much in your short time here at Nexamp. So this I, I did want to ask and I do want to make sure that everybody I have on here, I do ask, what would you say is one of your greatest accomplishments to date, either at Nextamp or in general?
1: I would say that, um, graduating from college, I think is one of my largest accomplishments personally, yeah. um, being, um, I was the first person to graduate, graduate from college in my family. And I would say that, um, yeah, I would say that that's my, my largest accomplishment to date.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where are you from originally?
1: I'm from the Dallas area. Okay, uh, that's where I was. I grew up. I was born and raised in the Dallas area. Um, both my parents immigrated to the U.S. when they were in their 20s. Um, my mom's Mexican, and my dad's from El Salvador. Okay, um, so yeah, they definitely have really worked really. They've worked really hard their whole lives, and yeah, you know, I'm I'm really grateful for them and grateful for the opportunity uh, to be able to go to school, and then also. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the job that I have currently is, is great. And, you know,
0: <laughs> they must be really, really yeah. proud. Yeah, I can. Imagine. Yeah, they are.
1: I would say they are. <laughs> Although my dad keeps pushing me to go get uh, a master's or go back to school. <laughs> no. You're like, dad's not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break.
1: <laughs> no, he said I already have four years. <laughs>
0: Okay, I feel like I'm really pegging you with this one. So I feel bad that I put it in, but I want to know. Because I'm curious about this. And I guess like I can remember my own experience pre-kids. Um, but, yeah. you know, some of the things when I'm asking moms and parents about their career experience, it's always like, well, how do you find time to make time for your family, but also give as much as you can to work? Like, where do you find the balance? Does it exist? Blah, blah, blah. But something I feel like we don't focus a lot on, but I definitely see, is that those employees that don't have children, which is a lot of employees at example, You know, do you find that you can sometimes feel overburdened covering the holes of other teammates or other people at Nextamp who are, have other sort of like familial requirements?
1: I wouldn't say that I feel like a burden. I think it's more something that I probably need to work on, like for myself, if that makes sense. I, you know, I don't know if or when I will have children, but I think that, you know, it's. I, I, I don't think I'll ever maybe have that valid reason to maybe say, Hey, I I have to get off at 6 PM to go, you know, pick up my kid or feed my kid dinner. Um, but that's okay. Um, to me, I think I just need to work on my like internal or communicating my, my expectations and my boundaries. Boundaries, Um, and I think it's something that I'm continuously trying to work on. Um, you know, amp is doing a lot, and my team specifically is busy, like a lot of teams at NextAMP are. Yeah. Um, I think I just sometimes need to remember that there's always going to be work, and, um, you know, trying to really prioritize um, and organize my work in and, a way that I can have a
0: life. And it sounds like something we can do better. Just in general, maybe not like Nexamp specifically, but just people in general to their colleagues are this idea that, you know, the kids are like a legitimate reason or a more legitimate reason to like be like, I have to step away. Because, I mean, certainly – I feel that way. But, you know, I don't think that that means that other people's reasons for needing to have a boundary or to do something outside of the work hours are less legitimate. But I definitely, when you <laughs> say that, know that that's, I know exactly what you're saying. So, yes.
1: and I would yeah. say too, that my team is generally very, not young, that we're just closer to post-college, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, um, I think that also maybe allows us to be able to, like, spread our workload, um, in a way that we're, like, helping each other out,
0: if needed. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. What have been some of your biggest inspirations or mentors throughout your life, uh, education and career?
1: Um, I would say that my parents, not to mention them again, but I would say that they're, they've, you know, they are big reason, you know, as to why I am the way I am and why I am, um, you know, why I feel like I work so hard. Yeah. Um, I think financial security is something that I really, that motivates me. And so mm-hmm. uh, I think that, you know, sort of pushes me to continue to find Better opportunities for myself, um, et cetera, and you know, I feel like I want to be able to provide for them in the future, and and how can I se- set myself up for success t- today and in the short term to be able to do so?
0: Yeah, that's so nice. I love to hear that. Um, I'm sure they, I'm sure they would too. But as a mom, I love to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, I know
1: they. I feel like they've worked really hard, and you know.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some causes or issues that are important to you that you'd like to bring more awareness to? Um
1: obviously besides our fight for cl- the clean energy transition, mm-hmm. um I think immigration is is another important um you know topic that comes to mind. I don't know if you've heard what's happening in Florida with a new bill that's passed. Um but I would say that that Is definitely something that's important to me and, you know, also been trying to um, more routinely volunteer, um, which I think if you have the time, everyone should do. Yeah. Um, So I think that's another priority that I've been trying to uh, or another thing that I've been trying to prioritize as well on my weekends.
0: Yeah. With all your free time, I'm sure. (laughs) On the weekends. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, are you ready for some rapid fires? Yes. Okay. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? And I would add why. Yes. Um,
1: So my brother, who's a couple years younger than me, he recently got back from a six to seven month uh, backpacking trip in South America. (sighs) And I know I was able to visit him (sighs) uh, in November for a couple weeks in Peru. And so would love to be able to do something like that um, in the next I don't know, five years.
0: <laughs> you did Spain in college, right? You studied in, was it Spain?
1: I did. I studied abroad in Spain for a semester.
0: Yeah. I love to study abroad. I think that's such a great experience for everybody should go do it if they can. For
1: sure. Where did you study abroad?
0: Ireland. Oh, nice. So culturally diverse, let me tell you. <laughs> I had a great time. Oh, I had a great time lovely people
1: Uh, (laughs) we should connect on that
0: I've been wanting to go it's awesome there I I can't say enough good things seriously um okay what advice would you give to your younger self
1: I would say to you know keep pushing keep working hard um and maybe to take a step back at times.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's important too to reflect. And I think sometimes we, I don't know, I still think of myself as young. So I'm like, what do you mean my yes. younger self? Like I'm not, but <laughs> it's true when you look back at the things you've been able to accomplish and when you've been able to get through it's you can learn some good lessons from those. So
1: for sure, like find out what's like important to you, what are your values and, you know, What can you do to make sure they're, like, at the forefront of, you know, the work you're doing or, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What is your favorite book, author, or movie?
1: I don't have a... I don't really like favorites or I don't really have any favorites just because I think it's really hard to decide one of each. But (laughs) I... A couple years ago, I made it a goal to read like one book a month. Oh
0: my god!
1: Uh, And so, (laughs) I um, subscribed to the Book of the Month. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, app, But it's basically they allow you to have um, five. They give you like five options of books, and you basically have to go through the five, read their like plots and summaries, and then pick one, and then they mail it to you. Okay. Um, And you pay. Maybe about fifteen to sixteen dollars a month. So you pay cool. for the book. Yeah. It's a hard, a hard, a hard. It's a hardcover.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you. not a paperback. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so I've been doing that for the past couple of years, and that's really, I think, been helpful.
0: They're oh not gosh, about anything yeah.
1: serious, or they're all fiction.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's nice though. I mean. I feel like, I mean, lately when I go to read anything, I read like three pages and I fall asleep, but sometimes it's nice to just, you you know, think about something completely different than what you were focused on during the day, kind of escape into fiction. Yes, reality. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So what is your favorite pastime outside of work?
1: Um, I love, I love visiting new places. I wouldn't say that I love the aspect of like traveling to these new places, but I love being in the new places and like, um, getting to know different people, different cultures. Um, and then besides traveling, um, I love spending time with my partner and and we have a cat and, um, I guess playing with his name's Aragon, the cat. And, (laughs) um, when not doing all that I love spending time outdoors and going walks nice.
0: uh,
1: and I'm like grateful that it's spring summertime now
0: and um to be able to do that
1: although did not love how rainy it's been the past
0: I know I don't know week or so hopefully it turns around gets a little bit warmer and like feels like summer here soon
1: yeah I know I I don't enjoy how like dark it's been, but I feel like maybe that has to do with what's been happening in, in like Uh, Canada and New York, for example. But
0: yeah, I know wild. Um, well, listen, I know we both said we were nervous before starting this, but I really (laughs) enjoyed our conversation. I really appreciate you, you know, doing this and having these conversations with me. I, You know, I've only done a couple, but I love getting to know Nexampers outside of just talking NTPs and finance and all the stuff we have to talk about when we're at work. So thank you for taking the time to do this with me.
1: No, thanks, Caitlin. I really appreciate it. And yeah, hopefully when you're editing,
0: it goes well. <laughs> yeah, let me know. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye.